You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, first hour with Scoop Stanton reporting live from the Conservative Political Action Committee, a.k.a. Cuck Pack. And uh, we go into Jason Kuna talking about the fact that, hey, maybe the Republican base, the Trump voting base, has left that kind of conservatism behind. There's reason to believe it, and a lot of their standard bearers are beginning to sound a lot more like us. Well, the one who kicked it all off on the big way, I mean, certainly we've been here for 20 years, but what I'm talking about is the first person not already associated with our movement who sort of broke bad, uh, that was Anthony Cumia. Back in 2014, 10 years ago, and as part of our TPC at 20, a retrospective series, what we're doing during this special series is once a month, throughout this, our 20th anniversary year, uh, Keith Alexander and I are going to be revisiting clips from some of our most memorable interviews over the past two decades with fresh reactions and commentary, and keeping in with the theme from tonight, we're going to go to Anthony Cumia. Now, this guy was a radio legend. Uh, he was uh, sort of on par with Howard Stern in terms of celebrity on uh, Sirius an, an XM. East Coast phenomenon, basically. East Coast. He was a New York guy on New York radio, Sirius XM, but he got fired and we have the story. And when he got fired, one of his first interviews, I think maybe his first or maybe his only interview that he did to promote what he was going to be building with his own network after he got fired was right here on the political cesspool. So we're going to listen to clips from that as part of our TPC at 20 retrospective series. And uh, this is what the first clip sounds like. Obviously, I'm going to address a lot of racial issues because that seems to be the thing in this day and age that we are not allowed to talk about. A lot of liberals talk about um, uh, let's have an open, honest dialogue on race. That's what's going to be able to solve these problems that we have in uh, the communities and whatnot. But they do not want that. They don't want open and honest dialogue. They want you to agree with them. Uh, they want the continued victimization and uh, excuses that go out. The second you literally bring up the real problems that are, are happening in this country as far as certain communities go, you're chastised. You're, you're, you're given that uh, scarlet letter, which is now R, racist. Oh, my goodness, uh, and gracious. The, and there's no way uh, to discuss this as, uh, a, a white, uh, especially male American, without being called a racist. Um, and that's what I want to discuss. I want to discuss a lot of subject matter that's very sensitive on my show. Uh, I, I think uh, we're at the point now where you can't even talk about it, regardless of what you say. You can't even address certain sensitive racial, sexual uh, what people consider misogynistic subject matter without being thrown out of your job or having your reputation uh, tainted. Uh, this is the world we're living in now. There has to be a 
turnaround. We, we have to stop uh, chastising people and, and uh, uh, throwing people out of their jobs for their ideas and opinions uh, on subject matter that is uh, happening in, in this day and age. I don't understand why we can't just talk about it. <laughs> Mr. Kumia, I want to tell you that if I ever get the chance to meet you, I'd be honored to shake your hand after hearing what you just said. I've been doing this Thank show, you, sir. which certainly doesn't have the reach that, that you've had in the past and probably will have with your, your future your program, but we've been building for 10 years talking about almost what you just mentioned exclusively. For 10 years, we've done it. I've suffered all the I love it. arrows. I had a short-lived stint on CNN, and then CNN wouldn't let me back on anymore. But we've been talking I about bet. this and trying to have a dialogue for 10 years, and, you know, sometimes, despite the growth of the audience and that so many people, you know, email us and write us letters each week saying, yes, 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 this is what I believe. I've been waiting for something like this. You still feel as though you're a voice in the wilderness. So to hear a mega, and I'm not trying to blow smoke at you, but a mega Thank celebrity you, such as yourself, <laughs> yes. you know, say that you're willing to be honest is almost it's, revolutionary. I, I – Yes, you know, I, I would never try to pat myself on the back. I've always been very self-deprecating, and uh, I've always thought much lower of myself than others have thought of me. But this means so much to me. To be able to express your ideology, your thoughts, uh, to take statistics and quote them when you're debating somebody about subject matter, why is this a bad thing? Why do people then want to quiet you and shut you down? All right, so uh, this was what it sounded like on this very radio program back in 2014, 10 years ago. And, Keith, 10 years ago, that was right before the proliferation of content creators who were sounding like us and Anthony Cumia. So Anthony Cumia, if you're not familiar with who he is, as I said, he was a big star in talk radio he was on par with howard stern on sirius xm in the new york market but we'll tell you why he got fired as we continue to listen to clips from this classic interview as part of this uh, tpc at 20 a retrospective series that we're doing every month but uh here he was fired and untethered and this is what he wanted to talk about and he created his own network 10 years ago he's going strong now and this is what it sounded like. And when he came out, so to speak, uh, on these issues, he came on this program, and that was 10 years ago. This is one of the 12 we're going to be featuring in, in the, from the depths of our archives uh, during this special series, and you love to hear it. Well, we're both riding the same wave. We didn't invent this. Neither did Anthony Cumia. Everybody knew about the 800-pound gorilla on the living room couch, and they knew – in not just instinctively, but from experience, what happens to people that do not recognize that taboo and honor it. But again, like I said before, this is really gaslighting. Everybody has a sense of their own racial identity. Every other group, for example, can segregate and try to, you know, birds of a feather flock together. People from the subcontinent of India, they forget about their caste differences for a while and identify themselves as Indians because of their innate racial consciousness. Same thing for the Han Chinese, which are basically 90% of the population of China. 
So do uh, black Africans, black people from the Caribbean, uh, Hispanic people from South and Central America. Everybody can identify and rally around their racial identity except for white Gentiles. And it's time that that stopped. You know, we've had this for most of my lifetime, most of my adult lifetime, uh, over 50 years. Uh, you are punished for being a white Gentile. Uh, and it's time for this to stop. And, it, um, you know, every, every day we see more and more evidence that, uh, you know, people insist upon talking about this. It's, uh, it, it's the uh, problem that for the left will not go away. So Anthony Cumi, a big radio star, when uh, he finally got released from his network obligations and he came time to share with the world what he really wanted to talk about, he chose the political cesspool to tell the story. And it continues here. The, the whole racial issue in this country is very, very important to me. Uh, and I really want to talk about it. And then I get people that also say, well, you live in a really nice neighborhood. Why do you care? Well, I care about my country, and I care about where it's going. And I think there's a problem in this nation that is not being addressed and needs to be addressed, and it's violence. And I talked about this. When the story that I got fired was that I went into Times Square, I took some photographs um, at 4 a.m. Uh, with a, a $5,000 camera. Uh, and it's beautiful. New York City is beautiful at 4 a.m. It's a giant city lit up like crazy with no people in it. So you really can get some amazing pictures. So I took pictures of uh, New York City, a lot of people, workers, con ed workers. And I snapped pictures of some people just walking down the street. I snapped a picture of a black woman. She heard the shutter snap, turned around, walked up to me, called me a white mother effer, and uh, punched me in the face. Uh, I reacted with zero violence. Zero violence. I put my forearm up in front of me to protect myself uh, from her punches, but I never struck her. And, by the way, I'm a licensed concealed carry, uh, New York City concealed carry, uh, so I, I don't have a gun on me. I had a gun on me. I did not even think about pulling it out because I wasn't, I didn't feel my life was being threatened. Um, so I reacted with no violence. When the situation was over, I reacted. Well, continue this Revisitation as part of our TPC at 20 retrospective series with Anthony Cumia when we come back. Stay tuned. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate 
educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com, MericaFirst.com. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. back into this one. This is one that we have never replayed before. We have never replayed this interview with Anthony Cumia. That Scoop Stanton, who was on the show earlier this evening reporting live from CPAC, he was the one who put this together. It was actually Scoop who was a big fan of Anthony Cumia's. Anthony Cumia was the reason that Scoop got into radio to begin with, and he had his entry into radio with TPC, still our DC correspondent, but now also in addition to that, the host of 7-5 Radio. Well, anyway... Uh, Scoop was the one who set up this interview with Anthony Cumia. I actually, I got to admit, didn't know who Anthony Cumia was before Scoop informed me. And then I looked into it, and wow, he's this huge radio star. And he just got fired over a racial issue, and he wants to start a new thing where he's able to talk about race, and he's announcing it here on the political cesspool just a few days before he kicked off his own network 10 years ago. And getting back to the reason he got fired, uh, the last uh, part of the clip we were playing just before the break. Pictures of some people just walking down the street. I snapped a picture of a black woman. She heard the shutter snap, turned around, walked up to me, called me a white mother effer, and uh, punched me in the face. Uh, I reacted with zero violence. Zero violence. I put my forearm up in front of me to protect myself uh, from her punches, but I never struck her. And, by the way, I'm a licensed concealed carry, uh, New York City concealed carry, uh, I, I don't have a gun on me. I had a gun on me. I did not even think about pulling it out because I wasn't, I didn't feel my life was being threatened. Um, so I reacted with no violence. When the situation was over, I reacted by talking about it on Twitter. I tweeted how angry I was, how I felt there was a problem with violence in the black community, how angry I was at this woman for doing what she did, and uh, for the people that then surrounded me and uh, uh, 
was on this woman's side, even though she was doing nothing but assaulting me for no reason. And I was fired for that. All right, Keith, that is the key. That's the key. So here's Anthony Cumia, huge radio star, and making a lot of money for his network because of his popularity. As you just heard him say on this show 10 years ago, he was in New York City in the early morning hours, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. He's snapping pictures. He says it's beautiful at that time because you can go to uh, Times Square. All the lights are on, but nobody's there. You can get some great shots, and he's taking this picture. And then a black woman comes up and punches him in the face. And then he goes on to Twitter. He didn't retaliate. He didn't punch her back. He didn't do anything except just take it. But then he goes on to Twitter and says there's a problem with violence in the black community. After he had just been attacked by a black and they fire him for it. Well, it's a taboo that traces all the way back to the beginnings of the civil rights movement. Apparently, black people have to be allowed free reign to express their racial uh, grievances, but whites cannot mention theirs ever. And if you do, you're uh, exposed to ridicule. You're uh, not only exposed to ridicule you're exposed to loss of job loss of income loss of reputation and we're the only group white gentiles that suffer that everyone else a jewish person a black person a brown person a hispanic person uh anybody else can express a sense of an american indian can express a sense of solidarity with their own race and try to argue for increased uh rights or at the very least a lack uh, a lack of uh being you know denied opportunities because of their race except for us and we have meekly accepted this for way too long and it's it's as bob dylan said the times they are changing they are changing keith and the thing is so many conservative talkers are doing it now but almost no one was doing it 20 years ago when we started doing it and scoop started doing it very few were doing it 10 years ago when Anthony Cumia started to do it, but I got to count him as one of the trailblazers in this, and we're going to listen to a little bit more of that interview right now as well, part of this. He did it in, in the Northeast, which is the uh, And in 2014, beast. that was before the proliferation of, of 15 and 16 and onward. Uh, but uh, So this, this took a, a lot of courage to come on this show and to have his breakout moment, and this is what it sounded like 10 years ago. Anthony, I was just – so refreshed to hear you answer in the way that you did, not knowing how you were going to answer that question in advance. And, you know, the things we talk about here, you talk, you mentioned crime earlier. You know, we've had Pat Buchanan, for instance, on this show several times, and he's talked about crime statistics, statistics that have been compiled by the United States Department of Justice and other entities such as that. Well, you can't mention black on white rape statistics for, for, for some reason, no, you, know, you get shouted no. down as a racist and, and I don't want to oppress anyone and I'll let you take it away from the, uh, after this. And I don't want to lord over anyone. I believe in equal rights for all special privileges for none. I say that every show, but at the same time, I don't buy into this, to the politically correct point of view that everyone can be proud of who they are, except for white people. I mean, I do agree that everybody should be proud of their cultural heritage, mm-hmm. But I'm proud of my family, too, and I don't have to hate myself to be a good person. And I'll let you take it from there. When did you become aware of some of these realities? It's, it's really infuriating when you see what uh, actual what, white males are just the abomination of the United States right now. 
they're looked at as uh, uh, jokes, as horrible people that are uh, so against diversity and everything. And, and then when you look back at the history of this country, the achievements that white males have made in this country is astounding. And regardless of what diversity might bring to this country, you can't discount what white men have done for this country. When you watch any of the uh, uh, footage of um, any of the Apollo programs over the years and you look at the control room of uh, Mission Control, what do you see? Do you see diversity there? Honestly, let's be honest. You're seeing white males smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee at the console, and putting people on the moon. How is this a horrible thing? How is this something to look at and say, we need to change this by injecting people that uh, do not pay attention to the laws of this country, do not assimilate to the uh, cultures, do not uh, work and contribute to this nation. Why is this a good thing to then add these people into the formula to make this a great country? Diversity for the sense of just diversity is not a good thing. And when I talk about race and try to be open and honest about it in this day and age, you're chastised. You're looked at as the racist. By the way, the word racist is now a goof. It means nothing. When you talked about racism uh, years ago, when people were literally lynched for the color of their skin, that was racism. It's been so uh, taken down 800 notches to just disagreeing with someone of color. Now you're a racist because you disagree with someone of color. We're in a very dangerous place right now, and... Um, I am going to address all of these issues on my show in an opus, open, I'm sorry, an honest fashion uh, without any censorship, any regulation, no barriers on language. We're going to use real language that people use on a daily basis. And, um, and believe it or not, we're probably going to have a little fun, too. <laughs> well, listen, I can guarantee that if this is any sort of even a, a toned down preview of what they can spec on your new podcast, we're going to get you to plug, plug that in a second. They're going to be in for more than they can handle. And just listening to what you're saying, you're so right. I wrote a book about that in 2010, what racism mm -hmm. is now. And a writer once said that political correctness is a war against noticing things. And yes. if you notice things and you're honest about the things that you notice, they will declare war on you. And I think you've already been through that last month. You're going to be mm -hmm. in for it a lot more after word of this interview gets out, I can promise you. But, but that's okay because how are you ever going to come to real solutions if you can't talk about things without fear of reprisal? And you can say – I mean people can say that we're oh. completely off base, that what we're saying is completely wrong, and that we – you know, but – it should at least be debated, but you're quite right. I mean, what racist is now is just – it's anything – it's a sociopolitical nuclear bomb is what it is. And they hurl the R word yeah. at you to make you shut up. It's used to stifle dissent and freedom of, of <laughs> yeah. thought. And basically a white person – racist means white person now. If, if yes. you say anything other than what is approved speech, you are a racist. It means everything. It means nothing.
God, dude, could I, I really want to just hang out with you and drink a few beers and talk for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you know, I want to tell you, you've actually had. We are on, we are on the same page, my friend. All right. Now, you, you, you think, hey, we're in 2024 now. We've heard all of this a lot. You didn't hear it 10 years ago. You didn't hear it from people like Anthony Cumia 10 years ago. This was a groundbreaking interview 10 years ago. And, you know, he even protests too much. He gives them too much credit. For example, he said that you're, it's a taboo right, to we- notice things. For example, he talks about lynchings. Uh, and how that was real racism. Well, first of all, that wasn't real right, racism for the most part. It was, you know, most I, of those I people agree. were guilty. Also, you had the situation where the word racism, that's, that's a new development. 1935 was the first time it was used, and it was coined by Magnus of uh, Hirschfeld, who was a pedophile, homosexual sex expert who used it in a book of the same name. All of that's true, but I don't focus on that in an interview like this. We can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. This was it really, really it really was for a guy of this stature at yeah, that time. Up in New York City. At that time in 2014, it really was. And we'll be right back with more of it right after this with Keith Alexander. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Laura Winters. There is new information this Saturday about the suspect accused of killing a University of Georgia nursing student who was out for a jog near the campus in the town of Athens. The 26-year-old man, an illegal alien from Venezuela, police saying it's a crime of opportunity. The investigation suggests that they had no relationship. He did not know her at all. I think this was a crime of opportunity where he saw an individual and uh, bad things happen. The police chief saying the man is charged with malice murder, felony murder, aggravated battery, aggravated assault, false imprisonment, kidnapping, hindering a 911 call, and concealing the death of another. This is the first murder on the campus in 20 years. Classes have been canceled until Monday. South Carolina holding its primary today, the topic of IVF front and center, former President Trump campaigning in Rock Hill, saying he strongly supports in vitro fertilization. And today I'm calling on the Alabama legislature to act quickly to find an immediate solution to preserve the availability of IVF in Alabama, and I'm sure they're going to do that. The Republican Party should always be on the side of the miracle of life and the side of mothers and fathers and beautiful little babies. Have to be on that side. Meanwhile, Vice President Kamala Harris blaming former President Trump for Alabama becoming the first state to say that frozen embryos qualify as children under state law. Harris speaking in a video posted online. He handpicked three members of the United States Supreme Court with the full intention for them to overturn Roe v. Wade and take away the protections around every person's freedom and right to be able to make decisions about their own body. And today marks two years since Russia invaded Ukraine. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. 
Attention timeshare owners. Tired of the financial stress? Were you misled by the salesperson? Don't or can't use your timeshare anymore? If any of these apply to you, then you may qualify for timeshare cancellation and get the relief you need now. Timeshare Defense Attorneys is the number one affordable fixed fee legal solution in the country with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. That's certainly better than my grades. They even offer a 100% client satisfaction guarantee. Let one of their experienced lawyers evaluate your case and explain the process. If they take you as a client, they'll work on your case until it's resolved in your favor. Guaranteed. Expect great service and a close working relationship with your lawyer, keeping you informed every step of the way, protecting your rights, interests, and even your credit. It's that simple. Even a kid like me could understand it. The consultation is free. Call today. 800-875-1853. 800-875-1853. That's 800-875-1853. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, then you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Rebel Mountain by Kurt Eggers, a brand new reprint of the infamous You Gentiles by Marie Samuel, and now the treatise of a January 6th prisoner in the American regime. There is something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the complete catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to check out antelopehillpublishing.com. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Well, I just like this uh, intro too much to interrupt it. Liz, next week, let's play that one all the way through. You know, I like that one. But uh, <laughs> I like them all. I like everything about I this show. Good. <laughs> show and everything we do here. And, uh, and hats off to Art Frith for selecting all that. Well, I, and hats off to Liz and all of the team at Liberty News Radio for putting this show together every week. I mean, we are nowhere. Believe me, Keith and I are Luddites and technophobes. We are both of those things. Uh, lost ball in high weeds without the help of people. Without like the production Liz. crew, it's <laughs> we ain't getting off the ground here i can tell you that i don't know how anthony cumia has done it all these years but uh, again this was a 
a profound interview 10 years ago. Now, 10 years later, it seems like a par for the course. But 10 years ago, uh, it was anything but. And- Coming out of a big shot broadcaster out of new york city this was really groundbreaking it really was uh he was not only on local new york am radio but also serious and you know big time celebrity as far as it goes anthony cumia was and is i guess you could say uh but uh, when he got fired scoop stanton reached out you heard from him in the first hour and uh, he had sort of his coming out party about as to what things he would be talking about for the rest of his career. He let it be known 10 years ago, and that's the show we're revisiting right now in our retrospective he, series. He broke the real glass ceiling, and the real glass ceiling was racial issues, pro-white versions, okay? Uh, that is a much bigger taboo than uh, you know promoting women back in the day. Let's listen to a little bit more of it now. The indignities that we have to suffer in terms of the name-calling and the completely mm-hmm. irresponsible and overzealous name-calling, you know, that pales in comparison to the sacrifices of blood and bone that real patriots have to sacrifice to give us this country in which we see our freedoms, you know, rapidly eroding. But at the same time, oh, it, yes. does take, it does take a significant amount of courage because you can count really on your fingers and toes the people in the media who... Well, would you need you all your fingers and toes to talk about the people who are talking about these issues? I don't think so. And, you know, you saw it recently. The noose is tightening. You know, no pun intended, but you saw Sean Bergen. Are you familiar with the Sean Bergen story there in New Jersey? Where he was mm-hmm. fired for just mentioning the correlation between illegitimacy in the black community and violence. I mean, you literally cannot go off the reservation at all. On any yeah, I have, and expect I have been lined up... I have him lined up as a guest on my show, as a matter of fact. Um, he, he spoke his mind about things he's seen. He's been there. He's been walking the beat as a newscaster in uh, some of the hardest places in New Jersey to live, some of the most gangster neighborhoods. And he, he spoke honestly about what he feels is the problem in the black, one of the problems in the black community, uh, uh, illegitimacy, no father in the family. Sometimes, a lot of times, no mother. It goes up to the grandmother to raise children. And if, if no one can actually see that this is a problem, and if you address this problem, instead of just firing the person and silencing them, how about an open and honest debate? And if you could honestly... Uh, debate this man and and come up with a cause or reason for these problems that uh, is better than what he has stated, then do that. Instead of trying to silence somebody, when you try to silence someone's opinions, I think you have no other recourse. When you try to silence someone, you don't have a way to argue with them. So you just want them to be quiet. I love when someone says something that I disagree with that I'm able to then jump on and debate and make them look stupid and make them look like uh, I have the facts. You don't. When you want to silence someone, it's obvious you have nothing. You lost. So let's just pull the racism card, the sexism card, the misogyny card, the homophobic card, whatever it is, and shut people up instead of debating them. 
It's a cop-out. It should be obvious to people. I don't know who doesn't see this. When someone wants to silence you, they lost the argument. Hey, that's the way it sounded 10 years ago, Keith, on this uh, radio program. And now... Like I said, everybody knew about it before. It's just that no one would comment about it. It was like the emperor's new clothes. And he's one of... He and other people are some of the people that told the emperor that he had no clothes. Hey, you want to know how far it's come, Keith? You want to know how far it's come? It went from 10 years ago, he was breaking ground here on TPC... All credit due to Scoop Stanton for setting up this interview because Scoop was a fan of Kumia's and he knew Kumia and Kumia was the one who inspired him to get involved. But in any event, it went from this this 10 years ago. Sean Bergen, yeah, Sean Bergen's great. But uh, it went from this 10 years ago to, you know where Anthony Kumia is going to be in a few days? Speaking at V-Dare's conference. That's that's where we're at, okay? This is it. And it's not just him, although he was a trailblazer in this. A lot of other people are doing it, too, and it's wonderful to see. i got a quick uh, story that I'll share about Anthony Cumia that's pretty funny uh, right after we played this uh, clip uh, going back to the interview 10 years ago from our broadcast archives as part of this, the second of 12 installments in TPC at 20, a retrospective. Some of the guests that might want to sing a few tunes have a little fun, maybe throw a 50 cal in their uh, hands and see if they could finish a song holding that heavy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much does that uh, Barrett uh, weigh? It's pretty heavy, but it's got to be. Uh, right. And boy, when you shoot it, it's not so much the kick as, as it is that concussion. Man, it feels... it. It The best way to describe shooting a Barrett 50 is it feels like you have the flu for three seconds. <laughs> uh, outstanding. Um, here's here's another question. Back to uh, what happened in July. Why do you think the media never found up the found the uh, lady that uh, accosted you and assaulted you? Well, first of all, I don't think she even knew what happened because I truly believe she was a whore. I think she's a prostitute. Uh, <laughs> at four in the morning, I'm out there just trying to take these lonely, uh, empty New York City street pictures. But if you're walking around like that, uh, dressed like she was alone, I would assume she's a prostitute. Uh, So she probably has no clue what she has wrought uh, on people's lives. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's no way to find it. She's just another random, horrid, violent person that um, will never be heard from. All right, so uh, that was him talking about the reason he got fired once again, running into, and we covered this earlier, taking pictures, minding his own business in New York, Times Square, early morning. I've been there. And then he gets punched in the face by a black woman, and he says, you know, there's a real problem in the black community with the violence, and then he gets fired, and then the rest is history. Uh, a few weeks later, he's on TPC. Ten years later, he's speaking at V-Dare. Praise be to Scoop Stanton for putting that together. You actually heard Scoop right there. He participated in that interview. We're only playing bits and pieces of it here right now on the program tonight. But if you want to listen to the whole thing, it's in our broadcast archives. I got one quick story I got to tell you about Anthony Cumia. I was doing a remote broadcast in uh, at Dixie Republic last year. I believe it was last year. 
and I, I like to stay at nice hotels in Greenville. Greenville's got a wonderful city walk, uh, river walk area in downtown Greenville, South Carolina, and I stay there. And so I'm waiting for the valet to bring my car around to go to the remote broadcast at Dixie Republic that night. And uh, standing a couple of people behind me in line, I noticed him, and I was like, you know, man, that guy looks familiar. And I, the valet pulls my car around. I'm in a hurry. I'm running late as usual. And I get in the car, and I drive off a couple of blocks away from the hotel. That was Anthony Cumia. Anthony Cumia was staying at the same hotel as I was in Greenville last year, and come to find out he has moved from New York to Greenville, South Carolina. Well, you know, the real importance, the real breakthrough that Anthony Cumia, Cumia and Sean Bergen represented is they were in the belly of the beast. They were in the Acela Corridor, okay? That's the Acela train that runs uh, the fast, uh, you know, bullet train that runs from Washington, D.C. up to Boston, Massachusetts. That and the left coast, basically everything on the left coast, all the uh, coastal counties, that's the heart of darkness. That's where liberalism reigns, and that's where this taboo needed to be broken. You know, there are a lot of people in the South, like us, that knew the truth about race relations. We just didn't have a voice. Bergen and Cumia had that voice, and they basically came to the same conclusions we did and expressed that, and it was revolutionary. We mentioned Anthony Cumia's bona fides. Of course, Sean Bergen, a longtime friend of the show, was uh, a daily uh, news reporter on a network affiliate there in the New York, New Jersey area. Got fired for saying that illegitimacy is a cause of concern in the black community. Hey, Sam Dixon wants to remind us that the word racist was invented by Leon Trotsky as a communist semantic weapon, and we should never forget that. Keep 10 seconds. Okay, I think it was Magnus Hirschfeld with his book Racism in 1935. You want to see somebody who's a real pervert Read about Magnus Hirschfeld <laughs> in the Weimar Republic. We'll be right the back. The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern Nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, and Wilson Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. 
Introducing Managed IT Services from NPI. We offer top-notch data backup and recovery, email spam protection, and network security tailored to your needs and budget. With 20-plus years of experience in the medical field, our HIPAA-certified consultants know what it takes to protect sensitive information. Don't settle for less. Give us a call at 801-706-6980 and experience the difference with Managed IT Services. Remember, your IT support should be fast, efficient, and reliable. All right, folks. Well, we're uh, as part of our TPC at twenty, a retrospective series, one time per month. We're going into the archives as we celebrate twenty years on the radio. How it sounded over all these years, Anthony Cumia is what we're revisiting tonight from 2014. You want to meet Anthony Cumia? Go to the VDare conference coming up. He'll be there speaking. That's how far it's all come, Keith. Quick thirty seconds. Okay, I wanted to reply further on Sam Dixon's comment. He was right, Trotsky at the same time was making this uh, same observation. He'd basically converted to cultural Marxism before his death. He was at a communist international convention in New York City, and he told the American communists that they were going to have to promote blacks within their ranks for leadership positions, and if they didn't do it, they weren't really serious about the revolution because he saw race, not economic class, like classical Marxists did, as the primary fault line in human society that they could build communism on. Fantastic commentary, Keith. Thank you for that. We're going to play now to close the show out. And what a great show it's been. Scoop Stanton, Jason Kuna, tip of the hat to both of you. We salute you. Uh, a little extended clip here from the Anthony Cumia interview of 10 years ago uh, as we wrap up tonight. March Around the World coming up next week. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun talking with international guests, Confederate History Month in April. But let's uh, go back here as we our, wrap our, up. Our theme song for this show ought to be ACDC singing, For Those About to Rock, We Salute You. <laughs> Having talked about these issues to the extent that we're able for the last 10 years, the people will be with you. Uh, you know, there's certainly <clears> a, a small cabal that, that's, you know, runs the organized media, the establishment media, and they speak with one point as an echo chamber when it comes to these sensitive issues, these critical issues that must be discussed. Or there should at least be a candid debate about it. Whether we're right or wrong, let the people decide. But I will tell you uh, that we get overwhelmingly positive feedback from the real people who actually listen to this show. Now, I'm not going to have any friends at CNN or MSNBC mm -hmm. or anywhere else, <laughs> yeah. uh, but if, if the people are what matters to you, I think that this uh, career change may have been a blessing in disguise, and as, as Scoop Stanton mentioned earlier, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, we spent a solid half hour uh, defending you well in advance of knowing that we would ever you know, have a chance to have you on the show, but I just basically said that uh, you were dismissed by SiriusXM for not appreciating the multicultural mm -hmm. experience of having a black female attack you. Yeah. I, I honestly believe if that was a white chick on the street and she had gotten into my face, uh, this wouldn't even be an issue. Wouldn't even be an issue. My, my mistake, if you even want to call it that, was that I was uh, commenting on this woman that assaulted me, jumped to violence immediately, and I combined that with social commentary. So people were able to take a little bit of both of those things and mix them together. And, of course, in the world we live in today, um, I'm then 
dubbed a racist. Yay. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those situations where uh, it's taken out of context. Uh, there is nothing I said, by the way, or, or tweeted that I regret, that I think was wrong, or that I would ever apologize for. Uh, it was true. Everything I said uh, had happened, and everything that I had uh, tweeted about as far as my social commentary goes is backed up by statistics. Um, it's also backed up by a lot of uh, community reverends and pastors and community leaders that talk about this violence in the black community, because that's, that's what got me in trouble when I said there's a problem with violence in the black community. And everyone jumped on me. Meanwhile, you could every weekend there is some rally or march or sitting or whatever you want to call it about violence in the black community. But it's black pastors and reverends that are, are saying these things. The second a white person brings it up, you are Satan. You're the pariah. You're a racist. Uh, but honestly, there is a problem with violence. It's, it's out there. It's, it's, it's not even arguable. You can't argue that there isn't a problem. But if you're a white guy mentioning it, uh, there's a problem. Well, let me tell you, it's something that should not be discounted in this interview. And of course, everything you said is spot on, uh, absolutely correct. I mean, the R word is just uh, an intimidation tactic. And if more people will yeah. do like you have done and just say, you know, you're not going to get me with that. We're going to talk about these things, but I'm not going to apologize. That is key. If people will just say, yes, just say so what or whatever, you know. But this is the thing that should not be discounted is that you did not apologize. I mean, we have covered uh, these uh, you know, weak-in-the-knee media types that offer these groveling, just, you know, absolutely <laughs> nauseating it's apologies. Pathetic. It's pathetic. It's more than pathetic. The apologies. And they get fired anyway. So it's like, yeah. why, are you, why are you doing this? <laughs> and they get fired anyway. I mean, where have you been yeah. for the last 10 years? We should have done this a long time ago because you see everything so clearly. And it shouldn't be surprising that someone with the uh, mind that works and is a free thinker and has common sense that would, you know, draw these conclusions. A lot of people do. It just mm -hmm. seems as though no one in the media does, or at least is willing to be honest about no. it. And here you are, and this is like a breath of fresh air, but I want to take this all the way to the top if we can. And I think I'll know your answer yeah. to this, but feel free to, you know, answer it or not. But, you know, the president, the president's obviously got a, uh, a white mother and a, and a black father. He identifies mm -hmm. as black. He doesn't identify as a mixed-race person. He identifies as black. Is that at all surprising to you? No, not at all. It's, uh, of course, the president's identified as black because uh, I think what, what the, the, the black community wants is a power base. But you need to work at a power base. You can't just have it handed to you. So when we look at um, the president of the United States, I think every – Every black person was looking at this election like, well, now we have the country. We're going to be able to get what we want. And when that didn't happen, uh, things started changing. I think we started seeing a lot more violence and a lot more um, um, uh, violence against uh, uh, white people, black-on-white violence. Um, this is a direct result of this artificial power base. If you want power and you're in the black community, uh, start a business. Uh, 
clean up your, your community, this, this artificial power of um, saying you can't say this word, oh, we don't want you to use that word, that's not real power. Real power is you run businesses, you run your community. Um, if you shut down what you're doing on a daily basis, it would have an effect on the uh, state, the, the county, the state, the country, whatever. But just this artificial power base of I'm black, the president's black, you need to uh, agree with me, is crap. It means nothing. Work, work for your power base. And you will then get the respect that should come to anybody that, uh, that is working and contributing to this country. Respect doesn't come from saying, respect me. It comes from something you earn by, by going out and making something and contributing to the country and not being a burden. Well, and you need to have an honest, it's almost as if, and I don't want to paint with a broad brush here, but as if a significant percentage of the black community, let's just put it that way, mm -hmm. has become like um, a petulant child. You know, someone that just thinks yeah. that they can throw a fit and get what they want. And, you know, I think it could definitely be argued that the lot mm -hmm. in life of most black families was was better 60 years ago than it is now. They think that they've gotten all of this and that, you know, they've gotten the, the shakedown Thing going here, but if, if I was the leader of the black community, and I try to serve as a voice for uh, for my family, for my people, I think everybody mm -hmm. should have those uh, their unique group interests represented, but if I had been born a black man, I would think and I would hope that I would have enough integrity to say, you know what, we're not better off than we were before. I mean, in terms of having voting rights right. and all of that, that's fine, that's true, but in terms of, you know, are the black families really doing better in America today? Uh, than they were before. I would try to be a leader for my people rather than just trying to shame other people. And I don't think you see a lot of blacks in the mainstream uh, that, that are operating from that from that point of view. There's not a lot of you know, Bill Cosby's But nevertheless, right. listen, I want to tell you, this has been an absolutely riveting hour of radio. It's gone by far too quickly. Love it. I, I certainly Love want it. to maintain lots of communication if we can. Uh, this has just been absolutely amazing. And I, I thank you well, for this it. is this is the open and honest dialogue that people clamor about, but never really want to hear. Uh, there it is, folks. I think the thing, Keith, is we do this TPC at twenty, a retrospective series. We go back once a month, twelve interviews from the depths of our archives. This show has been consistently good with consistently good and groundbreaking guests. And we've had the consistent viewpoint expressed here all along. For example. You were talking about black people, or Anthony Cumia was talking about black people cleaning up their uh, communities. They were doing that during segregation. He talked about black illegitimacy and you can't talk about it. Well, you can talk about it if right after you talk, make note of it, you say that white people are to blame for it. Really, white guys are sneaking into black communities and impregnating black girls? Sorry, I don't buy that. <laughs> hey, folks. It's been a wonderful opening two months. It's been a hot start to the new year, January and February. March Around the World kicks off next week. Exclusively international guests on TPC. Where will we end up? We're going to be all over the globe, and we're going to be checking the pulse of our people. 
in ports near and far. Stay tuned. It begins next week for Keith Alexander, Scoop Stanton, Jason Kuna, Anthony Cumia. In retrospect, I'm James Edwards. We'll see you next week. Good night, Godspeed.